Welcome to another session of Global Supply Chain Week at FreightWaves, where we're looking at the state of supply chains and trade coming out of the pandemic. I'm Eric Kulish, Air Cargo and Supply Chain Editor. My next guest is Zach Collier, an Assistant Professor of Management at Radford University in Virginia. And aside, my, my daughter went there for a semester. And uh, Zach researches how to manage risk in the semiconductor supply chain. Zach, welcome to this uh, FreightWaves virtual chat. Thanks, Eric, for having me. First, for us novices, can you just lay out for us, you know, you know, people who use smartphones and cars without realizing the amazing micro technology that's inside them, you know, what exactly is a semiconductor and then who are the main players uh, designing and manufacturing them? Yeah, sure. So strictly speaking, a semiconductor is really just any material that is somewhere between a conductor and an insulator. So if you remember back to uh, maybe high school science, there's some materials that conduct electricity and there's some that uh, don't conduct electricity. And semiconductors are somewhere in between. Uh, usually when we use the term, though, we're talking about uh, the chips that are made out of these semiconducting materials that go into things like our phones and our computers and our uh, cars and smart toasters and everything in between. Um, these chips enable all of the uh, functionalities that we take for granted today. Um, and the life cycle of a chip is really complex. So there are people that design uh, the chips and then Typically, the people that design the chips are different than the ones that end up manufacturing the chips, and that's due to a, a number of reasons, um, but the uh, supply chain is very fragmented for uh, chips. So uh, one group designs them, and then another group might manufacture them, and then other people might then assemble them and package them and test them. And um, so these chips go all across the United States and all, all across the world uh, before they end up into things like our um, uh, smartphones and laptops and, and whatnot. So, yeah. So the, you know, the semiconductor industry pretty much originated or some of the, the initial technology and designs came out of the U.S., but now most of the manufacturing production is, is left and is in companies and is in places like Asia. Um, so, and then some of the, some of the big tooling companies that make the, the equipment are in the Netherlands. So can you just briefly uh, explain who some of those players are? Yeah, sure. So uh, like you mentioned, um, a lot of the manufacturers are overseas in, um, in Asia. One of the biggest um, manufacturers of chips is TSMC in Taiwan. Um, there are other uh, manufacturers in uh, Asia, uh, in China, and um, Samsung in um, uh, South Korea. Although we do uh, produce some chips here in the United States as well. Uh, the statistic is about 12% of the chips are produced here, uh, manufactured here in the United States by companies like Intel, Global Foundries, and others. Um, as you alluded to, there are other important pieces of the supply chain, like the uh, groups that actually make the machines that help um, develop the, the, the pieces. So um, like uh, ASML in uh, the Netherlands that produces the high-tech um, photolithography machines that are used in chip production. And so it's a, it's a very complex uh, supply chain. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. So I think, you know, during the pandemic, 
you know, we all became a little more aware of, of what, uh, you know, how spread out the supply chain was because all of a sudden the auto industry couldn't get chips, you know, aircraft manufacturers couldn't get tri- chips, uh, electronics and, and phone makers. And, and so there was all kinds of delays, you know, automakers would have their cars, you know, filling up parking lots ready to deliver, but they couldn't, they were waiting for the chips. So I think, you know, some of that has corrected itself, but, you know, can you give us a status update on where we are with production and uh, supply chain uh, impacts at the moment? Sure. Yeah. So it's an interesting story with the chip shortage that you're alluding to. Uh, When the pandemic happened and all the lockdowns started, um, there was a spike in the demand for chips and the demand was already going up for chips uh, before the, the lockdowns occurred. And so that's an important part of the part of the story is that um, things like electric vehicles and the Internet of Things was already causing an increase in demand for these chips. And then when everybody had to work from home, the, the demand just spiked from there, uh, which le- led to uh, some shortages um, for things like automotive and pretty much all across the board uh, for chips. Um, that is somewhat correcting itself. In some places, it's even overcorrecting itself. We see in some industries, there's an oversupply of chips now instead of shortages uh, because um, the companies that were experiencing shortages um, bought a lot of chips, as many as they could, and they overbought. And then all of a sudden, when demand has started to go down because of inflation and higher interest rates and just sort of a negative uh, macroeconomic outlook, um, with demand going down, we have too much supply. And so in some sectors, we're seeing um, more chips uh, on hand than, than we need. Uh, and it's not uh, the, necessarily that case across the board. It really depends on the type of chip and on the industry in particular. Right. And then I think we, some of the, some places there were supply disruptions with some plants having fires or other issues with shipping. So that, that contributed to the situation. Um, what so with the with the shortages? Um, what were some of the national security implications of that? And and then, you know, it seems like the U.S. government's now trying to get a better control on having some access or domestic production, some you know onshoring of semiconductor manufacturing, so they're not so we're not at the mercy of these kinds of disruptions, and and you know our military and, and isn't uh, you know beholden to you know, foreign sources uh, to such a degree. Um, where did that? Where do things stand with that? I know we passed the Chips Act. Congress passed the Chips Act last summer. So, um, update us on that. Sure. Well, there's a lot to uh, unpack in there. So, as you uh, mentioned, um, whenever there's high demand for something but low supply, um, you see people try to fill the uh, demand with counterfeits and. With chips, it's the same thing. There is a, um, a counterfeit market for chips uh, that that exists, and um, these chips can end up back in the supply chain in very important applications like vehicles and even defense applications. And so, it's really important to understand the life cycle of the chips and understand who's uh, interacting with those chips throughout the supply chain. Um, and so, some of these challenges with the shortage have really um, put that into the forefront of the uh, the mind of the the nation and the leadership um, here in the United States. So, uh, as you mentioned, the the Chips Act that, that passed last year uh, was sort of an answer to some of these questions about um, 
bringing back some of the manufacturing and uh, other parts of the supply chain uh, domestically here in the States. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, we only produce, uh, in, in terms of the manufacturing side of things, about 12% of the world's chips, even though we demand um, anywhere between a quarter and a third, depending on who you who you talk to. And so that, that imbalance uh, means that we are, uh, in some sense, vulnerable um, or sort of at the mercy of the supply chain. Um, and there's some interesting choke points there in the, in the, in the supply chain, especially for more advanced um, parts, more advanced chips. Um, TSMC in Taiwan produces a big bulk of those uh, more advanced high-tech uh, chips, the smaller and faster ones that can do more things. And um, so that puts us in kind of an interesting position if, uh, say, China um, tries to invade Taiwan or, you know, there's other sort of geopolitical tensions in that, that region um, that could disrupt the supply of chips across the whole uh, world. And so the CHIPS Act, which uh, included $52 billion of incentives and programs for um, onshoring chip R&D and manufacturing, uh, was passed uh, in the summer of last year. And we're already seeing um, chip manufacturers uh, starting to open up new plants and build new sites and expand existing uh, manufacturing sites uh, here in the States. It's going to take some time to get these um, manufacturing facilities up and running, but uh, they're starting to um, go down that road. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, these are massive facilities, a massive amount of technology. I mean, it, you know, it's, we're talking years, if not, a, you know, a decade or more to kind of get some of this capacity online, right? Right, yeah. It, you don't uh, just build a semiconductor fab overnight. Um, but the important part is that we're sort of starting in that direction and that, um, you know, by starting the process now that our sort of global share doesn't keep diminishing over time. And so, uh, yeah, it'll take some time to bring these new facilities online, but, um, but better now than, you know, 10 years in the future, whatever it might be. What about the raw materials or, or components for secondary suppliers? I mean, are we going to have a whole ecosystem here for those, or will they still, will these domestic producers still be reliant on foreign components and other inputs uh, to a certain degree? Yeah, so it's important to think about the whole supply chain and not just uh, one step like manufacturing. Um, so like you mentioned, the raw materials uh, is very important. A lot of the rare earth uh, metals and things like that uh, do um, come from places like China. Um, and also thinking about the assembly and packaging and testing steps after um, the manufacturing happens. So uh, they come out on a wafer, the chips do, and then they're not really chips until you put them in the sort of plastic packaging. And a lot of that also happens overseas. And so um, really it takes uh, a whole supply chain, kind of a holistic approach uh, to really secure um, the the whole supply chain and manage those risks. But uh, again, this is uh, some great first steps that um, that the government is taking. What about what about the labor force? Since we haven't produced that many semiconductors here, how do we, you know, where are we going to find the workers? How do we get the skilled workforce for these plants, which I assume can, you know, have thousands of workers? Right. Well, that's a big challenge. And that's one of the um, 
things that the government has identified as a as a as a as a weakness is that we don't have the the necessary workforce uh, to work in these plants. Um, a lot of these jobs are highly skilled um, manufacturing jobs and require training, as well as the people that. Um, on the electrical engineering side that design the chips and across the whole life cycle we need uh, to train people up. Now, there are a lot of really good programs, a lot of universities across the country that um, do uh, focus on hardware design and hardware security issues. But again, there's a, there's a lead time for every uh, student that's just going into college. It's going to take, you know, about four years before they're trained up and they, they have a degree. And that's only if they get a bachelor's degree and if, you know, if they want to go do a master's to get some more skills, it'll take some more time. So, again, there is some lead time on training up the, the future workforce, but um, it is a, a thing that um, the government is uh, concerned about. And uh, there are programs that are um, going to be in place from the CHIPS Act to hopefully um, develop the uh, workforce and the local economies uh, to try to attract uh, workers to these fields. Would, could, would there be non, uh, you know, non-college, you know, just technical workforce jobs too, where, you know, community college or other skills that were, people could work in these fields? Yeah, definitely. Um, community colleges and trade schools and things like that are also an important piece of the puzzle um, to, uh, to attract and, and retain uh, the workforce that we need. Even just construction jobs to build the plants, uh, we, we need those people to, um, to help um, you know, just just do all the construction that's necessary to build these new facilities. So, yeah, it, we need workforce all across the board. What about um, hasn't the U.S. and as part of the tensions with China over geopolitics and uh, national security, hasn't the, the the federal government and the Biden administration trying to impose more export controls on on the U.S. Uh, technology and, you know, innovation so that they can necessarily, so there's controls on how that's exported to companies overseas and how would that affect things? Yeah, so the uh, administration has uh, placed some export controls on uh, the very high-tech advanced chips, the graphical processing units or GPUs that uh, are often used in applications like artificial intelligence and other things. Um, like that uh, on China. So uh, they're banning the export of these uh, chips to China, as well as the chip making equipment um, that's necessary to uh, um, produce these chips that's being um, restricted and even um, the workforce. So um, the the people that actually go and uh, work for these companies, uh, these Chinese companies can't uh, work for them without a, uh, a license or a, a waiver. So, um, so yeah, there are a lot of import or export rather restrictions that are being placed on these technologies to China. And um, from the reports and you know news articles that uh, that I've seen, it looks like uh, they're already having uh, some some impact on China's ability to um, develop some of these technologies. Just the chips are so important to everything, uh, you know that uh, that everybody does in modern life. Um, these chips are an important resource, and so um, if uh, China, for instance, can't get these advanced chips. That really slows down um, a lot of the capabilities and uh, the development of the capabilities that uh, they're trying to invest in. Gotcha. Well, listen, that's uh, all the time we have. We have to leave it there, Zach. I really want to thank you for that interesting discussion and those insights. Thank you for being our guest today. Thanks for having me.